Marketers think the outlook for 2019 sales at Christmas time is is very bright. They've been expecting higher sales by 48%. And if early indications are on track, I think that's that's happening. Um, marketers started planning early, and they plan to spend 46 more on marketing in 2019 than they did last year. So what this means for us is there's going to be a tidal wave of ads and commercials that we have to navigate. Am I am I the only one, or does it seem like Black Friday started like way before Black Friday, really early this year? Um, if if you're not in the retail industry, it may baffle you to discover how much research, planning, and design goes into making you spend more money, and it, it's, a, it's a lot. The industry tries to discover what motivates you to spend money on things that you weren't even planning on buying. Uh, and, and it works. Works with me. Works on me as I walk through, and I even know some about this. Uh, it may surprise you that the average person spends $450 a month on impulse buying. Just, just because they see it and they want it. That adds up to $5,000 a year. The commercialization of the season makes it difficult then to focus on what Christmas is really all about. And in this series, what we're doing is we're trying to focus on the true meaning of Christmas so that you can rethink it if you need to. That's what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, It's it's easy to lose track of the heart of Christmas and what it's all about. Uh, And all the rush, the pace, and especially the commercialization of the season. And at Christmas, what that means is we, we tend to think less and spend more. I, I'm guilty. I, that's what I do. I tend to do that. Research shows that 80% of our spending is emotional. That means only 20% is logical and thought through. <laughs> that's, that's not encouraging. Uh, at Christmas, the current of the culture, the expectations that we feel that may not, may or may not be real... But the expectations, they can move us to spend while our hearts are just being pulled to spend. So especially as Christ followers, we need to remember what Christmas is all about so that we can rein in our spending and find the joy that God wants us to experience in our celebrations of Christmas. Some of us need to rethink how we celebrate Christmas, and that's what we're talking about in this series If we stop in the middle of the stream of our culture and consider ways to celebrate differently, we have an opportunity to make it meaningful again. Or to make it more meaningful, if it's already meaningful to you. I would imagine that most of us really enjoy Christmas. We enjoy the time of year. And we can make it more meaningful if we stop and think about it. If we... Walk it through and think through. I, I confess that I've been doing what I always have done 
during this Christmas season. I started out, you know, you look at, okay, what did we spend on certain people last year? How are we going to approach this? Just, it's, it's very easy to fall into just the same old patterns. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something that you can hold me accountable on, but I'm going to, um, before the season starts next year, I'm going to stop and I'm going to think through how to approach it. I'm going to give it some thought. I'm going to try to make my celebration of Christmas align more with the heart of it than I have this year. And that's, that's all we can hope for is, you know, do, do pretty good this time and a little better next time. And, you know, you, you grow over time if you do that. But it's, it's still not too late to adjust attitudes and approaches this year. We can, we can make a shift. And so that's what we're going to talk about. To do this, though, as we deal with the commercialization and cultural currents, we have to focus on the centrality of Jesus in the way that we celebrate his birth. At the first Christmas, what happened is God stepped into our world to make a way for us to know him, to know him personally. And here's how I said it last week. Christmas is a celebration of the birth of a Savior King we can know personally. That's at the heart of Christmas. For thousands of years, God promised a Savior King that would step into our world to establish an eternal, and we found out last week, you may have known, but it's a spiritual kingdom. But it's eternal. Luke 2, 4 through 7 records the moment in history when this occurred. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them. There was no room for them in the inn. The Savior King, we talked about all the years, the thousands of years that God had promised this Savior King to step into the world. He stepped into the world, this Savior King, who was God himself. He stepped into our world in a humble, beautiful, and very generous way. It was simple and profound at the same time. It was such a simple, out-of-the-way entrance into the world that most people overlooked it. Here's, here's a meme that a friend of mine put on Facebook this week. King-size bed. It's kind of a cute comment, you know, we get it. Yeah, it but... It's amazing to me that the God of the universe, when he chose to step into our world, 
was placed in an animal feeding trough. And it really wasn't that good looking. I'm sure it was messy. And I don't know if the hay was just set just right or whatever, but it's an amazing thing. This is how he chose to make his entrance. And this sends a profound message to us. We should celebrate his birth in a humble and generous way. God announced Jesus' birth to several groups of people. We walked through some of those last week, three of them. And we saw how God gave a personal invitation to each of them to know him personally, to connect with him. And he gives the same invitation to us. And this is what Christmas is all about. He's God stepped into our world so that we could know him and connect with him, so that he could be involved in our lives as we invite him to be involved in our lives. At the heart of Christmas, it's, it's God's desire for each of us to develop a relationship with him. And, and that's why Jesus was born. So our celebration of Christmas, if we're going to align it with God's desires, is to make it a relational event, not a consumer event. I want to encourage you to stop in the middle of the rush of the current of culture and consider it what Christmas is all about. Let's, let's think about this for a while. The focus is God reaching out to us by sending his son to make a way for us to know him, to know God, so that we can have eternal life. That's the focus. John three sixteen seventeen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God loves every person that he made, everybody who exists on the face of the earth, and he wants all of us to experience eternal life. He wants us all to have it, but we've all gone our own direction in life. We've tried to live life independent of God. So what that means is we need to turn around from going our own way and decide to give our life to Christ, to follow him, and then we experience the eternal life God's promised. This has nothing to do with consuming stuff. But it has everything to do with a deep love that flows from selflessness. That's what you see God doing at Christmas time. Christmas is relational. It's not about consuming things. And I hope this frees you up as it's freeing me up uh, to rethink the way we celebrate Christmas. I hope this gives you freedom. Hopefully it takes the pressure off to spin like crazy so that we have a bigger and better Christmas than we did last year. That's my hope in this message. However, doing Christmas differently will require some thinking, some thought. 
Many times we, we don't stop and think about, you know, how we're going to give the gifts that we give. So we spend emotionally trying to keep up with what others have given us, and we're sort of sizing things up, and, hey, okay, they gave us this. Oh, no, they gave, a, a, they gave us something, and they weren't on my list. What do I do now, you know, so... We're, we're, we're torn. We're all racked up on inside. Uh, before we look at some specific ways to do Christmas differently, I'd like to stop and look at two major reasons we spend more than we probably should at Christmas. First, wrong motives. There's a lot of pressure and sense of obligation in gift giving at Christmas, and I want to look at this verse in a chapter from Proverbs that's full of decision-making wisdom. And we're going to pull several verses from Proverbs, which was a book that shows how life works from God's angle. Proverbs 16.2 says, all a, ways, uh, all a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. We don't stop and ask God for help. Our instincts seem innocent to us. But since God sees into our hearts and he's weighing our motives as we live life, as we make the choices we're making, and as we do the things we do, God's looking past the choices, the things we do into our hearts, and he's weighing our motives. It's crucial to ask him to bring those to the surface. If we want to do Christmas differently, we need to ask him to show us our motives, reveal them to us. Sometimes we get rushing and busy in the season, and the mounting pressure and obligation keeps us distracted. So we don't, we don't think about motives. We don't, we're distracted. We have a hard time detecting them. Some, sometimes we give to impress because we're afraid of what people will think about us. There, there are all kinds of motives for giving. Another proverb says, uh, Proverbs 29, 25, the first part of that passage, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, a trap. One of the traps this leads to at Christmas is debt. If I'm trying to give gifts to impress or keep up with my friends and neighbors, I'm, you know, somebody else's kid gets something and I, I feel the pressure to give my kid something at least that good, maybe better. If I can do better, that's awesome. I'll look good. Uh, we get tied up in these traps. If I'm doing that and I'm trying to impress, then I'm more likely to carry debt into the new year. That's a trap. You don't want to step in that trap. Comparison can get the best of us. Sometimes you don't even realize you're sizing up the gifts you've received and feeling obligated to find something that measures up. Because you, you don't want to look bad. And motives matter. God's looking at our motives. Another reason we spend more than we should is that we expand on an appetite for consumption. Appetites are never satisfied. They, they just aren't. I mean, mine isn't. We often spend more on ourselves or just in general during this season when we get caught in the current of consuming things. I, I'm pretty sure my wife's amazed at how much 
you know, little extra things I add into my <laughs> spending at Christmas time. But what this does is it leads to stress in the family. Here's a good word for us. Proverbs 15, 16, 17. Better a little with the fear of the Lord. That means uh, taking God seriously and living life, realizing that he's watching what's going on. So better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened calf with hatred. Think about what could happen if we focused on relationships and put as much energy into them this Christmas time that we normally put into hunting for the perfect gift, into spending and thinking through how we're going to get the money to make this happen. Maybe it's time that we rethink our normal patterns this Christmas because a perspective shift can help us to spend less, think more about what would please God, and focus on pleasing Him over trying to please everybody else, and that will bring a lot more joy as we celebrate the holiday this year. The last part of Proverbs 29:25 says, Fear a man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Whenever wrong thoughts or motives creep in, you and I can turn those over to God by trusting him and asking him for help in the moment. Now, to clarify, I'm not suggesting that you be stingy or cheap <laughs> this Christmas. I'm encouraging you to think over why, the why behind the celebration and bring relationships into focus. As you think about the why, because the first Christmas was all about relationship. It was all about God wanting to have a relationship with us and making a way for that to happen. Rethinking Christmas leads us to spend less, think more about how to truly bless others. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous man will prosper, but whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. A thoughtful gift brings refreshment to the people we're giving them to. I mean, I get pumped about thoughtful gifts. I'm like, wow, they really thought about that. That's, that's sort of custom fit for me, and I really, I could really use that, or I'll really enjoy that. Don't, don't you love to give a gift that delights the person you give the gift to? I love that. It's going to be used more than once or twice, or maybe more than not at all. <laughs> to bless people, you have to take time to consider what is going to refresh them. What is, what is it that would really bless them and refresh them? I want to encourage you to give more intentionally and relationally this year. Think about what makes sense where you're at financially. Sometimes handmade gifts are what you can do. Sometimes thoughtful food gifts are what you can make or bake. Uh, you can also give more time and attention. We, we could all do that. Just 
just spending time focusing on in the celebrations the individual people who are there in those family members, friends, co-workers. How, how can I really connect with them in a relational way? A major shift to rethink Christmas means we have to shift our perspective. We have to think about what, what the original Christmas was all about, the moment in history when God stepped into our world. And we have to take this new perspective to break many of our patterns from the past. Because many of our emotions are hard to get past <laughs> on the specifics of how to make the most time of this time of year. Um, the tagline for this series is Making Christmas Meaningful Again. And that's what we're hoping to do. Make it meaningful to begin with or more meaningful than it ever has in, in your life before. We bring meaning as we celebrate the birth of Christ in a way that aligns with the first Christmas and what, what we're celebrating. The right focus should be to do two things, to free us up to do these two things, to be there for the people around us. That's what God, God was stepping into our world to be here for us. That's what it's all about, to be there for the people around us and support the things that really matter to God and will really help bless people. However, debt takes away from these, these two things. Did you know that most people pay for Christmas months after Christmas is gone? I have, I confess. Research shows that 44% of shoppers rack up more than $1,000 in holiday debt and many more, many take more than five months to pay it off. The tagline for this article is, many people blew their holiday budgets this year. I, I've blown many a holiday budget. <laughs> you don't feel it in December, but boy, when January rolls around, oh, it's a bad spot to be in. Not real fun. Overspending can leave such a bad taste in our mouth and take the joy out of gift giving. We all know how, how it goes. We think, eh, we don't think, should I pay for this for months to come? We get emotionally wrapped up in everything and we do what we've always done. Or we do more than we've always done. But think about it. Given the relational nature of Christmas, does it make sense to rack up credit card debt in celebration of Jesus' birth? doesn't make any sense. really doesn't. As I wrap up the message, I want to encourage you to spend less and think more with some specific steps that you can take. And I, I'm going to make some suggestions about living Generous and intentional at the same time. And these are your next steps that are on the bottom of the listening guide on the back, on the bottom of that guide. You can follow along with me if you want. I'm going to say way more about them than I normally do. But here are the next steps. My next step today is to 
take inventory so you can give more intentionally and relationally. So I want to think about this. Maybe you're already, you've, you've already completed your Christmas shopping, but uh, if you have, I commend you. That's amazing. <laughs> um, but think about how to be intentional and how to be relational at the same time. What is your budget for spending on gifts this year? Or what was your budget? Do you have one? If not, there's still time to create one. If, if you're tight financially and you're not sure what you can do, how can you give thoughtful gifts, not necessarily expensive gifts? Spending less requires planning, research, cultivating relationships, pursuing things that it's, it's a pursuit that's more taxing than looking at a catalog, going online, clicking the button, um, and, and making it happen. Thinking more and taking inventory means asking helpful questions. What could I give to bless them? How can I encourage them with a gift? How can I give the gift and add encouragement to it? How can I express appreciation to the people who are around me this Christmas time? Many, many gifts we can give people don't involve money. I, I want to encourage you to give more intentionally and relationally this year. That requires thought, which in and of itself is a valuable resource. We have to think about that. Um, if you're like me, you'll need to ask God for help as you deal with your motives and desires for consumption. He, he wants to free you and I from the fear of man and the emptiness of consumption. Because we're never satisfied. Appetites aren't satisfied. It just doesn't. It just never, it's a black hole. Just keep feeding the appetite. It's empty. But if we turn to him and walk in his ways, he will fill us with good stuff. A second next step is to pray over what to give to the Christmas offering if you haven't given already. Jesus stepped into our world to meet needs. He not only met our ultimate need for eternal life and forgiveness of sin so we could have a relationship with God, but while he was here on the earth, Jesus took time to befriend people. He met their needs while he was here. In doing that, he highlighted that relationships matter. High value on relationships. And now he works through his body, the church, his followers, Christ followers. He works through us to meet needs and extend his kingdom, his reign, as we invite people to accept him as their own personal savior king. Our Christmas offering is being given to ministries, both locally, regionally, and globally, that set out to meet the needs of people and build bridges of relationships into the kingdom of God. When, For instance, when we give to the IMB, the International Mission Board that Matt mentioned last week, 
We support the efforts like those of a former member of ours who's in Central Asia, and she works to get drinking water to villages that don't have good, pure drinking water. We, it was, we had a great time uh, visiting with her at Mimi's Cafe in Chino Hills a few months ago. Um, but she, she works to get to dig wells so that people in that part of the world can have water. And then she builds relationships with the friends that she makes in that part of the world, and she tries to help them come to know the good news about Jesus Christ so that they, too, can experience a relationship with God and the eternal life that he wants us to experience. One local ministry that we're giving to, Rebirth Homes, works to help and serve victims of sex trafficking, and as they serve and help them deal with their emotional hurts, they're trying to help them get to know Jesus, who will bring the healing, who will help them with that. So we aim to support ministries with our Christmas offering that meet needs and extend the kingdom of Jesus that he came to establish. The last step is to create a reminder to rethink Christmas in 2020. Now, I don't think I've ever created a next step for 10 months out. But this is what I'm suggesting. What if you set a timer in your calendar next October to rethink Christmas? To think how you can worship fully, spend less, and give more. If you're married, do this with your spouse. If you have kids, uh, do this as a family. It's hard to rethink without taking the time to do it and having the time to implement the changes that you intend to make. So pull out your phones right now. Um, if you use a calendar, like my wife does, pull out your planner, your calendar, uh, whatever you use. Write, rethink Christmas on October 1st, 2020. Now add a note. Listen to CIV message on 12-8, just to remind you what the note's about. That that probably be helpful. But I, I actually, I, I have a way of cheating on that. I have the notes from the message. I can just read the notes real quick. <laughs> but uh, I'll remind myself that way. Um, for this message series, we've we borrowed the main ideas from a book called Advent Conspiracy. Several pastors of churches, I think about 10 years ago, uh, they they decided to lead their congregations through uh, 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 some teaching and a plan for more simply celebrating Christmas and focusing on what it's all about. And it launched a small movement. Uh, The movement invites you to be a part of a different story this Christmas, one that celebrates our King and brings hope to the watching world. 